0: A physician's career has more flexibility than ever to extend beyond patient care. Healthcare providers can also use their medical backgrounds to pursue jobs in healthcare management, public policy, education, research, and other career paths that are not directly related to clinical practice. But how do doctors find these non clinical opportunities? You are listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Caudill. Joining me today is Dr. Heidi Mowad, a neurologist and adjunct professor at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio. Dr. Mowad is creator of the website nonclinicaldoctors.com and author of the book, Careers Beyond Clinical Medicine. Dr.
1: Mowad, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Cottle. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I'm really excited to talk about this topic, and and I'm so glad that you've joined us today because a lot of physicians often are curious about non-clinical opportunities. So can you first just start out by telling us a little bit about your background and your medical training?
1: I am a neurologist. I am from Cleveland and I went to college and medical school in Cleveland years ago. And then I went to Chicago and trained in neurology there. I did my preliminary year at Northwestern and then my neurology training at University of Chicago and had a wonderful experience in Chicago. It was really good. And then I did work in private practice for a few years in Chicago for a very busy group. And then I moved back to Cleveland when I had kids. My husband and I came back here to be closer to my family and I worked at Case Western as a neurologist there in the clinical department.
0: And how long did you practice neurology and are you still practicing now?
1: You know, I would- When I was pure clinical, that was probably only a total of about five or six years. And I am not practicing now anymore. I've really phased out pretty slowly over the years.
0: And so that really brings us to this idea of the non-clinical opportunities. What made you decide to pursue non-clinical opportunities?
1: You know, I always had this sort of dream of writing medical information. And when I was thinking through that kind of thing, there was really no well-established internet and all these kind of things you can find online that wasn't even existing. And so I didn't really see a path into that. But I was very curious also about just what makes medicine run. You know, I come from a very medical family. And so I'm used to the doctor sees the patient and helps the patient. And I just wanted to know, like, who are those people who are behind the scenes telling doctors what to do? And I was very fortunate that when I was working at Case Western, you get the phone calls from the insurance companies and they say, you're not allowed to order this for your patients and all that kind of thing. And that very much, it upset me just like it upsets every doctor. But I spoke to a physician who had actually founded his own consulting company and he was very friendly and he told me they didn't have neurologists. And I told him, you know, I bet if I come and work for you, give it a trial for a couple months and I can probably save you a lot of money. I will not deny things that shouldn't be denied and I will deny things that are just excess or, you know, really don't need to be ordered. And I started doing that and started working from home doing that. And it was absolutely wonderful. I loved it so much that I took a huge leap and left my clinical job, maintained a a nice relationship with them. It wasn't like I, you know, left abruptly, but I did jump into this whole physician review kind of thing. And that was at a time gosh, it was like 14 years ago when there were really hardly any guidelines and nobody really knew what they were doing. And so I was kind of just figuring things out as I went along and sometimes going on the American Academy of Neurology website or ophthalmology websites and all kinds of things to try to figure out the best way to use those guidelines and recommendations. And I had a great time with it. It was really fun. And I learned so much about the industry behind the scenes, you know, and how decisions are made.
0: That's really interesting. My next question was just asking you about some of the work that you've done, which you just described some of your work doing medical review work. Have you done other sort of non-clinical things in medicine besides that? And can you tell us about those?
1: Yeah, well, sure. You know, over those years, I became very involved with the American Academy of Neurology. I just wanted to the staff there and and the leadership to know what I was doing. And I wanted to work collaboratively with them to make sure that I was making the right decisions and that I had all the tools that I could to make very good decisions about medical necessity. And so I served on a bunch of committees. And then when I did that, I was able to also do some work reviewing grants for government grants and things like that, just little small jobs, but it was maybe just A week, a year or something. And it also helped me understand a lot more about how the system works. But throughout all these years, a lot of physicians were asking me for advice about how to find this type of work. And because neurology is very expensive when it comes to testing, there was not a lot of available work in my company where I was working for other physicians. But I started to like listen to their stories and really to think about problem solving with physicians and how they could either find satisfaction in their jobs or find a non-clinical position. And then I got inspired to write a book about it because I thought, you know what, I'm talking to so many friends and I bet there's tons of people who really want this information. And so I interviewed like 40 doctors who were in various non-clinical jobs, things that I had no experience with. And they really gave me this insight and kind of the secrets of, how they got into it and what they look for when they're hiring someone and how to frame yourself, how to position yourself, how to make your CV, where to find the jobs. And I put it together and I actually went back to the American Academy of Neurology again and I said, I have this book. What should I do? Do you have any advice? And they got me in touch with the Oxford University Press and the editors there helped me get my book proposal in tip-top shape so that it could be accepted. And then I worked on that for a couple of years and, you know, was very fortunate when that got published.
0: You know, that's really exciting. And again, I'm so glad to talk about this because you're right. So many physicians are wondering about careers beyond clinical medicine. So, you know, just before we go forward, where can your book be purchased and where can people find it?
1: Oh, it's available everywhere. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on Amazon. I think it's on the Oxford University Press website as well. And it's in medical school bookstores. It's pretty widely available and it sells a lot more than I would have expected. I didn't realize how popular that topic would be even when I came up with it myself.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And again, the title of Dr. Moad's book is Careers Beyond Clinical Medicine. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and I'm speaking with Dr. Heidi Moad, a neurologist and adjunct professor at the John Carroll University School of Medicine in Cleveland, Ohio. And she created the website nonclinicaldoctors.com. And of course, she's the author of the book, Careers Beyond Clinical Medicine. So, Dr. Moad, let's continue on and and focus on different and more non-clinical opportunities themselves. What areas can physicians investigate that they just might not be aware of?
1: There are tons of different positions, but I'd say the big categories are pharmaceutical companies, which are just huge companies that have positions for doctors in business, in research, in clinical research, which is even different than the basic science research. So that's one big category. Another, I would say, is financial firms slash like investment type of firms, which are investing money into medical products. And they really need this medical expertise. And it's not just kind of like, you know, Sometimes you can get like a little survey, like, what do you think of this product, you know, for five minutes, but you know, they sometimes they really want people who are on-site full-time and these can be even more than full-time positions, you know, very high-level demanding positions for physicians evaluating mm-hmm. new products and evaluating every aspect, you know, the, the validity, the efficacy, and also from the marketing aspect, you know, is, is there profit in these products. So those are two big categories. And then I would say um, writing and teaching is another category. So teaching at the university level, writing things for the public includes, you know, textbooks, editing journals, writing like what I do, which is for health informative websites. So that is available a little bit harder to break into, but it is available for doctors as well.
0: And can you talk about some of the barriers to pursuing some of these opportunities? And where would you actually ask you know, or invite someone to start looking if if they were interested in this?
1: That's interesting. I would say the biggest barrier is something I really didn't expect. It's kind of funny. So doctors are really, really smart. And often what they do is they say, I want a job and I can do anything. And that doesn't really work. So it's like, are you interested in pharmaceutical work? Are you interested in business? Are you interested in utilization review or regulatory? And you really have to narrow it down. And I think once you narrow it down and you become really, you know, it doesn't take tons of time, but it may take, you know, hours, I would say, to familiarize yourself with that industry and which companies are leaders in that industry and even which recruiters. Then you can find those openings. You can tailor your CV for that specific industry. So I think the biggest barrier is doctors being too broad in their search. And once they get narrow, it's going to work
0: out. Are there any other sort of tidbits of advice or hurdles that you can offer, you know, physicians out there who might be saying, you know, look, I think it's time for a change. I'd like to look into non-clinical opportunities. What would you suggest or offer to, to them?
1: advice I'd give. It's like when you want to learn anything. So I think of it as, you know, if you wanted to learn how to play tennis, you could watch some videos, you could hit the ball, you could play casually with some friends, and you might get really good at it and have a great time. Or that might not be your way. You might want a coach. That you pay and you go and have lessons. And so the way I think of it is, I was a do it yourselfer. I didn't really need any help, but it maybe took me a bit longer. And there's no guarantee when you're a do it yourselfer. But that's the way I recommend personally, I've got to say. And so my book is very inexpensive. The website is completely free. And I do think that the information on my website and a lot of other websites can be more than adequate to get you moving. But then some people want more hands-on approach, which is perfectly fine too. And there are coaches, there are mentors. They will look at you, look at your qualifications, look at your CV, really give you hands-on feedback and go through the process with you. And, and that's another approach too. So I think a big step is to decide, are you a do-it-yourselfer or do you want to ask for help? And if you want to ask for help, you know, go ahead, find those resources. I even have links to some of them because some of those coaches, I'm friends with them and I think they're wonderful. And if you want to be a do-it-yourselfer, you know, set your schedule, get started and just, you know, do it. I would say that's my advice is, you know, kind of decide how you're going to approach things.
0: You know, I think that's very helpful. And I'm just going to reiterate your website for those who are listening. The It's called nonclinicaldoctors.com and Dr. Moad's book, Careers Beyond Clinical Medicine. And, you know, I, I just wanted to say one thing, you know, as a practicing family physician myself, I, I think it's really great that you're talking about how you've gone through your path, because I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. I sometimes feel like there may be, people or physicians may feel pressure one way or another, either to practice, to continue along the path they started, maybe if they are not feeling inspired to do so. At least that's something I feel like I've encountered with other people. And I, I think it's great that you're talking about this because it really gives physicians permission to, to kind of do what they are passionate about.
1: Right. Yeah, I would say definitely first step is just give yourself permission, you know, to to do what you want to do. Have your dreams and just own your dreams and don't be you know, don't be afraid of them or intimidated by them because your dreams are wonderful, whatever they are.
0: Well, with that, I really want to thank you, Dr. Heidi Moad, for joining Everyday Family Medicine today. It was wonderful having you on the show.
1: Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you.
0: I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. And to access this episode and others in the series and download the ReachMD app, please visit us at ReachMD.com where you can be part of the knowledge. We encourage you to leave comments and share this program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening.